Uh, we want to welcome you guys tonight to Providencia WPB. It is Sunday and we are in the month of May and today is Mother's Day. So we want to say Happy Mother's Day to you and to our moms that are here joining us tonight. Uh, we also know that Mother's Day is uh, a mixed day for a lot of us. We know that some mothers have uh, lost children. We know that some of us in our community long to be mothers and are still longing to be mothers. And we know that for some of us, um, our mothers weren't exactly something that are easy for us to celebrate today. So as Christians, uh, we are called as people to both celebrate and sometimes mourn and grieve at the same time. And so tonight, as the body of Christ, we both uh, celebrate these mothers here before us. And we also uh, know the pain of motherhood, uh, their own pain, but also the pain you might be carrying tonight. Uh, I did want to say, though, that we have two incredible mothers here tonight and so glad that they are joining us as our special guest. Um, as we continue, that's right, as we continue our series on prayer for the month of May, uh, on reimagining prayer. And tonight we're going to be coming from uh, the book of James, the James chapter 5, verse 16. And the book of James is one of those books in the New Testament that is almost like the Proverbs of the Old Testament. It is like wisdom literature. And throughout it, from the beginning uh, to the end, James is encouraging us to ask God, to pray, uh, to speak to God. And one of the things right at the beginning, he asks us to pray for is wisdom. And I know that these uh, women have wisdom here tonight that they're going to be sharing with us. So as we continue, let us read uh, from the book of James, uh, chapter 5, verse 16. The reading is very short tonight. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. This ends the reading of the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. All right, Jill, Amy, so great to have you guys here tonight. This is the first time you guys have like been in this space to worship for like two months yes, now. Every one time and we are six feet apart. Yes, yes. <laughs> How was it like? What was it like for you guys just to be here tonight to see, see people here and to hear the worship a little bit? Wonderful. Yeah. Although awkward. Yes. Because we can't hug anybody. Yes. So, especially when it's been so long and being so excited to see people, having to restrain yourself is awkward. Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah, I wanted to give a hug right when I walked in to all the girls uh, worshiping and then like seeing Jill. My first thing was I was going to give her a hug and I was like, ah, can't. But uh, cried through all the first songs, so that was nice. Yes, I saw that. I saw, I saw you out. cleaning up the mascara a little bit earlier, uh, honey. Uh, would you guys share just a little bit about yourself? Because I know, you know, not everybody at, at Providencia, maybe there's some people kind of tuning in from other places. Just briefly about yourself, Jill, and then Amy, just a few fun facts about yourself as well. So my name is Jill Balderas. I um, have a wonderful daughter who's six years old, Isabel, and I've been married to Israel Balderas for almost 21 years now. So I'm originally from Atlanta and um, spent most of my adult life in Washington, D.C., and that's actually where Israel and I met at a TV station. So we both are journalists, were me sort of was a journalist, I was a journalist. Mm -hmm. Um, pretty much have done everything, TV, radio, print, internet, all of that. Um, 
so we've been in uh, this area for six years now, so almost seven. And at Providencia, I've been here for about a year and a half. Amazing. And I love it. So grateful to be here. It's such a wonderful community on so many levels. Thank you so much for being here, Jill. I'm Amy, and I'm married to Keith Case. Um, I grew up in Mexico City, um, lived there for 12 years, and uh, met Keith in college in Chattanooga, where he's from. Um, we have five kids. I love playing with them. That's my favorite thing. Um, and I'm already crying. <laughs> um, <laughs> hi, guys. They're all at home. That's right. We convinced Watching Harper. Watching each other. <laughs> we convinced our oldest son, Harper, to watch his youngest brother so Amy could be here tonight. So it was kind of a last minute thing, but super cool. Yeah. And I uh, work with the kids, the children's ministry here at the church. And. Uh, I love the beach. Awesome. Amen. And dancing, right? That's right. Yes. Um, well, I know each of you, both of you have your own journey with motherhood um, and your own journey with prayer. And so we're going to unpack a little bit of both of those tonight as we uh, dive into the text. And there's three areas tonight that we're going to hit upon uh, as we look at this text. The first one is uh, confession and prayer. The second one is healing in prayer. And the third one is the power of prayer. So confession, healing, and power are going to be our three uh, kind of bullet points tonight. And James, this, the half-brother of Jesus, right from the beginning here in our text, is admonishing us to confess. Uh, that we are to confess to one another our sins to each other. Um, and as we go back to the narrative uh, from Genesis chapter 3... And God is coming to Adam and Eve. They have sinned. They're hiding in their guilt and shame. And God comes to them with this question and he says, where are you? Where are you right now? And uh, I, I think about confession as the process of answering that question, which requires kind of realizing where you're at, uh, what is going on. Because sometimes we don't even realize what all is going on inside of us and, and what all we've been a part of. Um, and then actually being able to speak it, in many ways, coming out of hiding, right? So, uh, Amy, when you were reading this text and it talked about confessing uh, your sins to each other, what, what did that stir up for you? How did, how did you feel you know, when you heard that word, uh, confess? And then do you have spaces in your life today to do this important work of confession? Um... And I can repeat the question. No. <laughs> uh, I think for me, the first thing that I thought about, um, this would be recent, like probably more in the last like year or two. Um, we have a story groups that we have that we do, and I've been uh, leading them, I think since we started, and probably leading them for myself selfishly because it helps me figure like kind of figure out where I am um, every week I don't think I would do it if I uh, if I didn't have it so um, all of the ladies that I do it with get to watch me in that process pretty much every week um, we do like a check-in so they get to watch the process for me um, showing up and trying to figure out like where I am um, Jill and I have been in the same group this year, so that's been really nice. 
but I think for me in that group, especially I would say in the last, in this past uh, semester, so fall and spring, um, I really struggle as a mom not having enough other people to share. Like maybe if there's a hard day, um, maybe I failed one of my kids, I didn't show up for them. Um, I'll hold that in and I won't really give myself the space to talk about that. And so I've, I really had that, have had that. Um, even like in the fall was a huge time for me when um, the, the girls just listened to me and I was able to talk about, uh, specifically um, we had a surprise which is Watson and he's our fifth, he's two and he's a very busy child. Uh, you cannot stop watching him, something will happen. So uh, anyways, just feeling like a little bit frustrated having to go through baby stage again. Um, and I hadn't voiced that out with anyone really. And um, my story group and then like my closest friends, um, being able to talk about that struggle was a huge uh, freeing experience for me. Um, I think uh, the song, the last thing I want to say is a lot, the song that we, that the girls sang just now, it said, I let go, uh, it's for my healing. And I think about like how I will hold back because I don't want to be embarrassed or I don't want to share like my true feelings or like really what I'm experiencing and maybe what a crappy mom I was today or many days. <laughs> Um, and then just how healing it is to be able to have other people that I can cry with and who can hold my hand. Um, I think for me, that's, for me, that's what confession and healing looks like. Awesome. Thank you, Amy. Um, I, um, and I've gotten to see the, the fruit of that as well, which is beautiful to see um, and how you've led us in that as a family. Uh, one of the interesting things is I was doing research for this um, this text tonight, and, and obviously thinking through Mother uh, Mother's Day as well. Uh, it made me think about in the Catholic faith that um, Mary is celebrated. Actually, in the Eastern Orthodox faith as well, on Mother's Day they both they, they say prayers uh, to Mary to honor both uh, Mary, both the Eastern Orthodox and the Catholic Church. Um, but specifically. Uh, growing up and having friends who are Catholic and, and kind of in my understanding and in my relationship learning that Mary is kind of seen as this soft spot this soft space for the sinner to land um, this she's she's a, um, a refuge for the sinner is one of the things I was reading and I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, Catholic but in my own you know Christian faith as I've thought through confession one of the things that it has encouraged me in, as I've thought about the, the Catholic practice, is to think about the more feminine sides of God and, and really asking the question lately, why don't those show up more for me? But I know, Jill, for you, that you have um, you know, spent some time around this topic and have thought about you know, Mary's place in, in, in the faith and, uh, and especially, specifically when it comes to prayer. So would, is there anything you would share to add to that? Or? Well, um, I came to faith through a Baptist church when I was in middle school, mm -hmm. through a um, summer camp. 
and then immediately thereafter started at a Catholic high school. So I'm very grateful that I had this very different um, experience as far as how Baptists view their faith and how Catholics view their faith. Mm -hmm. And you know, we would say, I wouldn't actually say it, but I would listen to it, the Hail Mary every day. Yeah. And um, you know, I, I have I have more of an appreciation now as I'm able to sort of look back at how prayer was different in both of those um, types of churches. So um, as far as the, I think for me, in terms of the, the idea of prayer, one thing that I had to experience that started when I actually started doing healing prayer ministry at a different church as an adult was healing my view of femininity. And that was a process of, um, see, I'm, I'll, I'll tear up too, so <laughs> I'll be right there with you. But that was a process of um, learning what strong, healthy femininity is. Mm -hmm. And I'm very, and now I can actually look back and see how um, those examples were there in high school through my Baptist church, not so much in the Catholic church simply because it was all priests, but, um, and obviously female teachers, but. Um, and then the Lord gave me wonderful mentors um, every step of the way as I was older. So um, I think that what, what God had to do with me was show me that femininity wasn't what I thought it was or what I grew up thinking that it was, mm -hmm. that femininity could be powerful, mm -hmm. but in a different way. Mm -hmm. That softness that you were talking about, that mm -hmm. refuge that you were talking about, but at the same time offering a strength mm -hmm. um, in all of that too, which essentially comes from your own faith and um, comes out of your relationship with the Lord, mm -hmm. knowing how deeply he loves you and how much he cares for you. Um, so. Beautiful. Thank you. I, I know that, um, you know, Jesus even refers to himself as like a hen, you know, and, uh, you know, not as a rooster, but as a hen. And, um, you know, it's kind of the opposite of the eagle, which was the symbol of the empire at the time, right? And so he's chosen this feminine, uh, you know, bird to reference himself and to kind of create this image uh, for his followers. So, and that speaks to the vulnerability, too, mm -hmm. of Christ, which I think he modeled that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that was another part of the healing as well, is that women, just by our physical nature, by and large financially around the world, in you know when we have children, we are more vulnerable. Yeah. And so there is um, like a special tenderness, I feel like, God has for that, knowing that we're vulnerable, and that accepting that vulnerability is mm -hmm. is kind of painful mm -hmm. um and even like i had to accept my own vulnerability but i think the thing that really still tugs at my heartstrings is how vulnerable women are around the world mm -hmm. that um in so many parts of the world it is very difficult mm -hmm. to be a woman mm -hmm. and live your life um in freedom hmm. and you know being who God has called you to be mm -hmm. thank you so much Jill for saying that um, one of the things that James references right at the beginning of his book is that pure and undefiled religion is caring for the widows and the orphans and drawing attention to the, the plight of widows uh, mm -hmm. essentially 
you know, highlights what you're talking about in many of the places in this world where it's very, very challenging, mm -hmm. uh, even still in this country, um, but to feel yeah. unprotected and, and to feel uh, that vulnerability. Uh, in my own journey with prayer, I, I, this story has always stood out to me as kind of moving us into our next topic of healing. And that is when I was in high school, I had the opportunity to go to Jamaica on a mission trip and we uh, would go and serve at the Caribbean Christian Center for the Deaf. We would also go serve at these places called the infirmary. And essentially, they were places where uh, it had free health care, uh, families who didn't have capacity to care for their, their family member because of some disease or something that was going on would uh, take their family members there. So there were blind people, deaf people, uh, people with incurable diseases there. And I, was, I had showed up there one day and there was a man who uh, I met early on, and when I went to go sit with him, he had no fingers, his, his hands had been um, so severely burned that he had no hands at all, uh, and he actually had uh, bone that was revealed here on his arm. And I was a young kid, and I just couldn't help but cry and pray at the same time. And I asked him if I could pray with him and for him, so here I am, I'm like 16, 15, 16 years old. I pray for this, this man, and uh, he is weeping with me. And then later that week, I hear that I'm praying for healing, for this man to be healed. And later that week, um, they tell me that they are, there's a man from the infirmary that they're going to be flying back to the States, and that they're working on all his paperwork because he doesn't have a passport, blah, blah, blah. Well, this man that I pray for ends up being flown back to my hometown, Chattanooga, Tennessee, in the fall. And while I'm in school, I would go visit this man and I would take my friends to see this man. And the hospital let him stay for free. The doctors did all the surgeries for free. Um, and I got to see this man, you know, go through transformation and really experience healing. And it was just you know, such a wild kind of visual experience for me of actually having prayed for somebody for healing, then seeing all these doors open up uh, for them to experience healing and get healing. And then I was able to tell my friends about it and then take them to see the evidence. You know, it was, it was such a wild uh, thing. But one of the things that James says is, as we confess our sins to each other, that we are also to be praying uh, for healing. And that actually in that confession, there's a healing that takes place, but that there's also this prayer uh, for healing. And um, I know uh, both of you, again, have your, your own story with that, but in your journey, as you think about prayer and healing, uh, Amy, could you share a story that, that you've experienced in that, in that space? Yeah, I, um, I chose a story about Kyla. Um, our second. Uh, Kyla's 12 now, and um, I'll try and tell the story. Um, when Kyla was not even one yet, um, we were pregnant with Maddie. Wait, were we? Yes, mm -hmm. we were. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and um, Kyla started having uh, seizures and we did, they were related to febrile seizures and um, we didn't know like you know why it was happening really and um, I think within like about three weeks 
she kept having them every time she kept getting sick we don't know why either but um Kyla ended up almost dying um, she's a miracle and um, she basically didn't stop seizing and so they intubated her and Keith was with her and she was in ICU for like five days and um, I just remember like my prayers were uh, I think this was like my my uh, relationship with Jesus was this way during that time uh, was like screams inside of me for healing for my daughter mm -hmm. um, and for for her to be saved uh, and um, and then when she did she she made it through and we brought her back home then there was the fear of of how do I sleep while she's asleep how do I know she's mm -hmm. gonna be okay and I remember that being terrifying to me, and I remember like almost screaming in the living room to Keith and to my parents and to his parents of like, you know, just angry. And um, anyways, I've I've never prayed for so long for somebody to be healed than I did for Kyla, or than we did. And Kyla's one of those stories that a story of somebody who made it through and was healed. Um, but I can't imagine that not being the story for her. Um, like if it was the other way around. I can't imagine that. And I have dear friends who have been through so many prayers of healing. Um, even my sister for her child. And, and that's not going to come true. So I'm, I, I feel like that, um, just, I guess I just, I'm grateful for being able to see Kyla um, dance and just the years that we've had with her and with all of our kids. Um, that just taught us, uh, you know, I think we saw two big things was surrender. <laughs> you know, again, that song, Letting Go. Um, is for healing, is for my healing, was we needed to let go and give Kyla to God so that we could keep breathing. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but also, we got to see the, the healing too, which was like really beautiful and such a gift. We love you, Kyla. Mm -hmm. We do love you, Kyla. That's the longest Amy's ever prayed uh, for somebody, but it's, um, there was another time that she prayed uh, for the most consecutive minutes in a row and that's when we were surfing in Puerto Rico and she was paddling for her life to get back in without <laughs> being crushed by a wave. Uh, we can tell that story some other time though. Um, Jill, I know that uh, you, know, you and Stefa both pray for people here on Sunday nights and uh, pray for healing for people and you and your own journey, you mentioned it earlier, uh, have been trained in healing prayer. Um, could you share with us just a little bit about your journey with that and and how you've come to this place of being somebody that prays for people now in this way. Yes, so uh, this all started at the church that we attended up in Washington, D.C. It now is an Anglican church. At the time, it was Episcopal. Mm -hmm. And they would always, during communion, offer what they called prayer at the rail, which essentially was uh, during communion, you could go up and receive prayer from people. 
And I distinctly remember looking up there going, oh, I would never go up there and ask someone to pray for me. I can't even believe people do that. And then fast forward several years later, um, I felt very called and excited about um, training to become a prayer minister myself. So um, it's amazing how God, and during, um, basically it all started when I went on a trip with the same church to Rwanda. And we went on an all-female team. It wasn't required to be a female, but it just, or you had to be a female, but it just ended up being that. And it was just this amazing experience where I felt like the Lord just opened up my eyes to the power of prayer and the power of vulnerability. And um, largely through a lot of these women's stories, and because we were a team of women, the uh, Rwandan women were much more willing to open up to us about their stories, largely um, about the genocide. Um, and that country has seen, I mean, they've just had an amazing um, healing there. And I'm sure it's powered by prayer. Um, so I went through the training process, which was um, beautiful and healing um, on many different levels. And one of the things that was particularly healing about it was um, some of the, I'm not sure I would call it trauma, but certainly some of the difficulty that I experienced in college going to a more um, charismatic church that put a lot of pressure on people to have your prayer language. So it was, you know, people would get up every week and say, oh, they got, I got my prayer language. and. I don't think they were overtly shaming, but it felt like shame to me. And I was always like, okay, God, why, why am I not experiencing this? And I remember um, talking to the woman who, it was a husband and wife who headed up the Bible study. And she said to me, well, just start talking. And I was like, so like make up noises? Yeah, just start making up noises. And that felt so inauthentic to me. And I tried it, I guess, just to sort of please her that day, and then was like, no, this just is not, I'm not feeling this. So fast forward more than 10 years later, um, God did a lot of individual work in, in me at that time, opening up my eyes when I was by myself praying. And he specifically gave me words in my head that I heard, in, not audibly, but I heard in my head for a prayer language. Mm -hmm. And to me, that was such a gift that was so specific to what I had experienced before. No, you don't need to make this up. I will, I will speak this into your life and mm -hmm. give you this gift. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I miss that. I miss being able to participate in a ministry like that because mm -hmm. it's so incredible. Basically, we, there were multiple opportunities for members of the church and then members of the community to come and receive prayer. So, um, and it was just beautiful to see what the Lord did. Mm -hmm. And I felt like it opened up my own spiritual horizons and it made, knowing that God was going to be at work, um, made me want to be there, but it also made me more eager to be in the word, um, because I wanted to be prepared, not in a sort of legalistic way, mm -hmm. but in a sort of, you know, if I have this responsibility, I need to make sure that. I am exercising my faith um, through reading the word and praying and, um, and then showing up and seeing what God does because it's not our power. It's not any eloquent words. It truly is the Lord showing up because mm. he wants to. Mm. 
Yes, which takes us to our, our last point tonight, which is power. Mm-hmm. Not our power, but Christ's power um, through us, in us. Um, James, James does something uh, really interesting here in this text that, you know, as, as a Christian, I think sometimes we can just read over it and go, oh, like, not, not even think about it. But he starts off and he says, confess your sins to one another. And then he says, uh, the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. And when I kind of sat around it and meditated on it, I thought, you know, that seems so contradictory to people. Like, if you are a righteous person, why are you confessing your sins, right? But that we have this faith that Jesus is continually calling us out of hiding, all of who we are. Um, that he's calling all of us to come to the table, that we don't have to hide any part of ourselves. And that when we bring all of who we are to the table, uh, in many ways, that's where he meets us. That's where we experience this presence, this power, uh, intimacy, vulnerability, these things. Um, For you, as you think about, Jill, uh, prayer and this call for James, for us to be engaged in this work, that we will experience this power, and this effectiveness, um, what do you think people are missing out on if they're not praying? Like, what are we, if we're not praying, um, what is it that we're missing out on? Does that make sense? Yes, it does. I think I would say at least two things. Number one is the relationship Mm -hmm. uh, with other people. Mm -hmm. And I think we experience that in the story group. Um, as far as the vulnerability and talking about things and being able to encourage each other. And then I think the step after, and we just experienced that on Thursday when we met, we actually did pray. Mm. Um, So that to me is like the next step. Here's Mm -hmm. our need, here's our vulnerability, here's what we're struggling with. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, let's bring this to the Lord and see what Mm -hmm. he does and see how he moves. Um, And then that also bolsters our relationship with the Lord too because then we get to see that he does care Mm -hmm. and I know for me personally I think one of the reasons why I didn't want to receive prayer was because I was afraid he wouldn't answer and he does not always answer the way we want to but he does always answer because he's always at work Mm -hmm. and scripture says that we have not because we ask not Mm -hmm. and so by asking and presenting a need to somebody and then asking to have them join us in prayer, um, I think just deepens our relationship. The other thing I feel like it, um, it causes us to miss out on is a testimony. And one of the things that has been very helpful for me in terms of sharing my faith, because um, I don't ever want to come across as preachy or like I know everything because I most certainly don't or I have the answer, Mm -hmm. which in some respects we do because Jesus is the answer. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's not always the most palatable message Mm -hmm. for people. Mm -hmm. So if we have a testimony Mm -hmm. of something that he has done, Mm -hmm. no one can argue with our testimony. Mm -hmm. Like you both shared powerful examples of prayer. No one can argue with that. So we can share winsomely and from the heart what God has done in our lives because we were willing to ask him to work. Yes, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Jill. 
And um, Jill, as, as she said, had, has had training in uh, prayer. And, um, and one of the things that we've talked about as a church is how we're going to grow that for the future here at our church. Uh, because we want all of our people here in, in our church and, and more people in our city to experience not only that intimacy uh, in the testimonies, but also um, the, the power of the presence of God and um, the power of actually um, the vulnerability of God, right? So uh, I just want to thank you guys both so much for being here, for leading us uh, tonight. Yes.